It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, and welcome to Phenomenon Radio, the show that covers thought-provoking breakthroughs in the fields of UAP UFOs to discover fascinating truths, first-hand accounts, and investigative insights into the expanding confluence of physical and mental exposure to this worldwide phenomenon. Hosted by world-renowned experiencer of the 1980 Rendlesham Bentwaters UFO incident, John Burroughs, and Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist linda moulton howe and now leading off the program here's linda moulton howe on sunday october 16 2016 the washington times headline quote leaked podesta emails encourage ufo buffs seeking declassification in a clinton administration close quote by then julian assange's wikileaks had released thousands of hacked emails addressed to john podesta presidential campaign manager for hillary clinton including several about finally opening up the government's ufo and et files John Podesta served as chief of staff in the second Bill Clinton administration. Later, he was White House counselor to President Barack Obama, overseeing climate change and energy policy. That job began in December 2013 until he resigned two years later in February 2015 to become the chairman of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Podesta thinks Americans are owed the truth from their government. Podesta's passion for truth about UFOs was reflected in an early morning tweet that he sent the day that he left the Obama administration to run Hillary's campaign. The tweet said, quote, Finally, my biggest failure of 2014, once again, not securing the disclosure of the UFO files, hashtag, the truth is still out there, close quote. And he copied his tweet to New York Times columnist Maureen Dowd. Three months later, in December 2015, reporter Damon Steer from New Hampshire's Conway Daily Sun asked Hillary about UFOs, and she answered, quote, Yes, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. I think we may have been visited already. We don't know for sure, close quote. Then she added that her campaign manager, John Podesta, quote, has made me personally pledge we are going to get the UFO information out one way or another, 
maybe we could have like a task force to go to Area 51 in Nevada, close quote. Keeping track of the John Podesta and Hillary Clinton interests in breaking open truths about UFOs is Grant Cameron from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Grant produces the website presidentialufo.com. When WikiLeaks started dumping John Podesta's hacked emails at the beginning of October 2016, Grant emailed me that some of the hacked emails were sent between John Podesta's office and Tom DeLong, author of the March 2016 book, Secret Machines, Chasing Shadows, about the Nazis, World War II, and UFOs. Tom, who was the guitarist and singer for the American rock band Blink-182 in the 1990s, and currently leads the rock band Angels and Airwaves, told me in an interview earlier this year from my news website, earthfiles.com, that he has a plan to reach millennials about what is really behind UFOs and ETs. Tom said he has been collaborating for at least a year with a group of 10 advisors from military and intelligence agencies who agree that more truth about UFOs and ETs should be given Americans and the world public. The WikiLeaks hacked emails include one from Tom DeLong to John Podesta. The subject line says General McCasland, and DeLong writes, quote, I just got done giving him a four-hour presentation on the entire project a few weeks ago, meaning to open up UFOs and ETs. Trust me, the advice from him has already been happening on how to do all this. He, General McCaslin, just has to say that out loud, but he is very, very aware, as he was in charge of all of the stuff, meaning UFO crash debris. When Roswell crashed, they shipped it to the laboratory at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. General McCaslin was in charge of that exact laboratory up to a couple of years ago. He not only knows what I'm trying to achieve, he helped assemble my advisory team. He is a very important man, signed Best Tom DeLong, close quote. According to U.S. Air Force websites, General William N. McCasland was commander of the Air Force Research Lab at Wright-Patterson for two and a half years, from May 2011 until October 2013. After he retired from the Air Force on October 1st, 2013, he became director of technology for an Albuquerque, New Mexico company, Applied Technology Associates. ATA specializes in real-time processing systems for ground, air, and space applications. Tom DeLong's email about General McCasland concerned a meeting being organized with Podesta to introduce the general and two other DeLong advisors listed on one of the WikiLeak emails, and they are Robert F. Weiss, Executive Vice President and General Manager of Advanced Development Programs at the famous Skunk Works in Lockheed Martin Aeronautics, and U.S. Air Force Major General Michael Carey, retired after serving as Special Assistant to the Commander of the U.S. Air Force Space Command. After a short break, 
Joining us to talk about that email and more of the hacked WikiLeaks Podesta emails will be Grant Cameron from Winnipeg, Canada, who produces PresidentialUFO.com, where he keeps updating the WikiLeaks hacked email dumps. Grant is the author of three books about UFOs, and the latest is this, including in 2016, the Clinton UFO storybook. This week, he told me, quote, the more I see of these Podesta email leaks, the more I am moved to believe this is the uncontrollable event that may cause disclosure like a flying saucer that crashes in New York City, close quote. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chum. Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Find the podcast on Spotify, iHeart, Audible and Apple Podcast. Get the best on the X. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Phenomenon Radio Live with Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist and Earth Files reporter and editor Linda Moulton Howe and Bentwater's experiencer John Burroughs. And tonight's very special guest, Grant Cameron of PresidentialUFO.com, is here and ready to go. We're going to kick off this long first segment with Linda Moulton Howe. Linda? Thanks, Race. Grant, welcome to Phenomena Radio again. It's a pleasure to have you here at a time when your quote has stayed with me since you said, I am moved to believe this is the uncontrollable event, the WikiLeaks that are coming uh, rapidly with emails that have been going in and out of John Podesta's office as both working for Barack Obama and then being Hillary's campaign manager, and that you are studying these emails. And I wondered if you could start today with why should our audience and everybody be paying attention because we're talking about generals and we are getting leaks every other day or so. So can you dig in to what you think right now are the most important of the leaked 
WikiLeaks Podesta emails? Okay, well, let me first set up why the John Podesta emails are so important. This, these, would, I think, would even be more important than the Hillary Clinton if they got Hillary Clinton's emails from the campaign. Is I, as I, you mentioned, I wrote the book, the, the Clinton UFO Storybook, and in there I do an entire chapter and then sections of other chapters on John Podesta. And why John Podesta is important is because he was uh, six and a half years in the Clinton administration. He was uh, chief of staff for three years. Um, he was the set up Barack Obama's administration. He was the special advisor to Barack Obama. Forty of the people in the Barack Obama administration come from his think tank, the Center for American Progress. And he is uh, very, very powerful. He's probably the most powerful Democrat in the country. And he's extremely interested in UFOs. Now, whatever triggered it, we don't know. I just know that um, during the Clinton administration, uh, he was known as the X-Files man in the Clinton White House. And he um, uh, uh, actually went home when X-Files was on to watch X-Files. Uh, he's reported in one newspaper of it as actually having phoned Area 51 to see what was going on. So he has this great interest in the UFO subject. And one the I filed about 100 Freedom Information Act requests with the Clinton Library. The one that was denied to me is the John Podesta uh, 50th birthday uh, FOIA that I filed. I had learned that uh, on John Podesta's 50th birthday, because he was so much into UFOs and, and, and X-Files, that Bill and Hillary Clinton hosted a 50th birthday party for John Podesta inside the White House, and Bill and Hillary dressed up like the X-Files characters. And uh, there was 83 photographs, there was a, a, a movie film that was taken, and I filed, and they denied this to me, they said no, and they said it was um, uh, personal... Um, personal material and I said well he's a public official this happened in a public building and it went to Bill Clinton and his uh, lawyer um, Lindsay on appeal and they turned it down as well it was the only FOIA that I actually got turned down on and they still to this day uh, eight years later will not allow these these pictures to come out so John is this very important guy and the other thing that people have to know about him is he is what's called a Madison man he's very much into open government he's made a number of speeches of people Google search uh, John Podesta and uh, Princeton University he made a very clear speech there long speech on the importance of of open government uh, Wayne's uh, unthinking secrecy versus national security these kind of issues he's big into this kind of stuff and he is like the smart guy the wizard of oz behind the curtain he's the guy that pulls the strings and he is the first and last word in the hillary clinton campaign he's the only person that the clintons will actually listen to he's the guy that cleaned up bill clinton's uh um uh monica Lewinsky mess he cleaned up the whitewater mess in the first term and he's been with the clintons all along and he's uh basically this very smart guy who's into ufos so when i heard that his emails were leaking i realized that uh, here's a guy who has been pushing for a number of years to try to get disclosure. He's trying to get this this um, uh, the story out. And I already knew, and it's in the, the Clinton book that I wrote, this whole uh, initiative and how he set it up. And you mentioned the first tweet, this tweet that happened in, in February of 2015 as he's leaving the Barack Obama administration where he says, once again, which to me means that he tried to do it with Bill Clinton and he couldn't get Bill Clinton to do it. Once again, I'm unable to get... Uh, the UFO secrets, uh, the, the documents declassified. And he starts through 2015, and he, from before the emails, 
started to leak, I knew that he had something going because first he, when you when you make a tweet like that coming out of the, the somebody's administration, this is very embarrassing to the administration. This is like a sort of slap at, at a Barack Obama that he's basically putting on the record. I tried to get the UFO stuff. I talked to Barack. I couldn't get it. Indirectly, he's making this very direct tweet because John Podesta doesn't tweet very often. And the other tweet that he had happened in in uh, September, September 29th, Lena Dunham, who's a uh, actress and a writer producer, does an interview with with Hillary Clinton. And during that, after that interview, um, John does a second tweet. And it's in that tweet where he says, good interview, Lena. Next time, ask Hillary about the aliens. So John, uh, Steve Bassett and I knew that, that something very significant had happened, that John Podesta was doing something. Because if you're running a billion-dollar campaign for the president of the United States, you do not put anything on the table, that you do not know where it's going. Because what they do is with focus groups, they put it, on the, they put it in front of a focus group. If it goes good, they talk about it. If it goes bad, they will never bring it up in, in the campaign. So this must have gone in front of a focus group. And John Podesta brings up the UFO issue. Now, I think, as you mentioned, Hillary has made three statements on UFOs during the 2016 campaign where she has said, I'm going to disclose as much as I can if I can get agreement, which means that there's some sort of vote that takes place. If I can get agreement, whatever is not national security, I'm going to release as much as I can. I promised John I would do it. So I, once again, she's even saying John Podesta is behind this. And what I say to people when they bring up Hillary Clinton and she's trying to get votes or whatever, I say this whole thing, watch the puppet master, don't watch the puppet. If it were up to Hillary, she never would have brought up the subject. It's John Podesta who brought up the subject, who's pushing the issue and trying to get reporters during a major presidential campaign to ask Hillary about uh, UFOs. So when the John Podesta stuff started to leak, I started to look, and at first there really wasn't much, but then it's the, the UFO stuff started to come out. And there are, as you mentioned, some very, very significant emails and emails that confirm the scenario that I maintain in the book that was that came out almost six months ago, that John Podesta has an initiative here to do some sort of disclosure, and Hillary is a, is a major piece on the chessboard of, of doing this. And um, so his, his emails um, show um, examples of, for example, Lena Dunham does the, the interview. John does the tweet and says, Lena, uh, next time ask her about the UFOs. That happened September the 29th. So they now they're waiting for some reporter to ask the UFO question. Nothing happens in October. Nothing happens in November. And except she goes on the Kim, Jimmy Kimmel show in November of 19, of 2015. And we know from the, the Podesta emails because one of the emails that leaked was from a woman whose job it is to make Hillary Clinton look good. She uh, redid bro, um, uh, Michelle Obama's um, sort of uh, pro- public profile, and they brought her into the Clinton administration to um, make Hillary look good. So she sends a tweet to John Podesta and says Hillary was on the Kimmel show, and she was able to get a lot of policy across on the show. And I reference in an article I did how they would use these kind of shows like Ellen and Kimmel and all these kind of shows to get policy across to ordinary people rather than doing it on a, on a news talk show. So she said she was able to get a lot of poli- policy across 
but they didn't ask her the UFO question. So here you have John Podesta making this tweet in um, uh, in end of September, and then in November there's this email that leaks through these WikiLeaks emails where she's waiting for the UFO question from Kimmel in November, and she's very disappointed because he doesn't ask her the UFO question. They're waiting for this UFO question. And the, the, the woman that, that, that wrote the email said Hillary practiced for five minutes. And this had to do with this uh, UAP thing, this new uh, term that's used instead of UFOs. Hillary brings this up and says um, on the show, uh, this, she, she actually, when she does it later, uh, she doesn't get asked the question until the second time she goes on the Kimmel show in March of 2016. But she's waiting for it in November for this UFO question, and it doesn't come. And the email says she was very upset that she practiced for five minutes the answer to the question, and then they didn't ask her the question. So you see this email, and you also have another email that happens exactly the same time. And this is um, one that I I haven't mentioned to you before. This was um, one that comes from uh, one of the top um, lobbyists in Washington, D.C., and the guy's name is Jim Davidson, and he's a, a lobbyist that if you're the president, you only have limited power because you still have to get stuff through Congress. And this guy's a lobbyist that works with Congress, so he helps the president get stuff through Congress. Now, he writes uh, an email on November the 12th, a couple days after Hillary doesn't get the question on the Kimmel show, and he writes to John, and I'll, I'll quote what he says. He says, you are now legitimately famous. One of my favorite programs on, cha- I guess, Channel 116 quoted you as trying to get to the bottom of the UFO reports, but that the CIA had frozen out the Clinton administration. So he writes this to John Podesta, and John Podesta answers with three words, more to come, which is uh, very uh, prophetic as to to what's going to happen. John has this this plan that he's, he's unraveling. So Hillary doesn't get this question, and then you get into um, the real significant stuff that happens, and that has to do with with Tom DeLong. And Tom DeLong has these 10 advisors, as you pointed out, and one of them he indirectly says is John Podesta. And it's important to note how he sets this up. What he says, and this is where this original quote where you say, uh, where you quote me saying, this could be the sort of the leak that they can't control. This is like the flying saucer crashing in, in New York City. And the DeLong one is where it's going to come from. Because what DeLong does, and this is all in the emails, if people go to the WikiLeaks and to the John Podesta emails, and they uh, Google or they search, there's a search engine there, put uh, DeLong in there, and you'll see all these emails. What DeLong does in interviews, he describes how he approaches uh, a bunch of officials inside the U.S. government, and one of the people he approaches is John, is John Podesta. He gets a hold of him, he talks to John on the phone, and he says, I've got this plan, this media empire, and I can get the message across to the young people. And he, he says, he, he makes his pitch to John Podesta, and he tells him how he's going to do it, and, and why it's important, and how you're going to make the military look better, and you're not getting the message across, and I can get the message across to these young people. And he says, John just sits there and, and listens, and John doesn't say anything. So he's finished, and he doesn't know what to do. So he says, okay, uh, that's it. And John says, okay, I'm kind of busy. Phone me back in a couple of months. They hang up the phone, and he figures, I've blown it. John Podesta couldn't have cared less. He, he thinks I'm some crazy rock star who's just you know, on some trip of, of, of doing this kind of stuff. So he doesn't phone John Podesta back. And this is where what I'm saying people have to watch. There's been 
uh, almost 20,000 emails leaked to John Podesta's, but they claim that there's 50,000. So there's a lot to come yet. One of the ones that I think could actually really upset the whole apple cart is the one that happens that Tom DeLong talks about. So Tom says, I phone him. He doesn't make any comment. I'm talking to him. And then he says, two months later, he says, suddenly there's a flurry of emails in my box from John Podesta. And John says, okay, I'm ready to, I can't remember the exact words he uses. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to, to do this. This disclosure thing. And that's what Tom DeLong's thing is. This is a UFO disclosure thing. And John says, okay, I'm ready to do this. This is a very important item. I need you to come to Washington right away. So Tom DeLong flies to Washington. He does this interview. And on his trailer for Secret Machines, which is now floating around the Internet, on the trailer, you will actually see John Podesta. That They did get an interview with John John Podesta, and John talks about the fact that there's a $600 billion defense budget, and we got to get to the bottom of this, and there are things that happen deep inside the bowels of the, uh, inside the Pentagon, and there's not very much light that, that gets in there, this reference. So this is in this trailer, which shows that John does this interview about UFO disclosure, and if you search the, uh, the long, um, uh, emails, you'll actually see the list of questions that he's asked, that he's going to ask John Podesta in this interview. Now, we haven't got the interview. We haven't got any responses. But what I say is going to happen is you're going to have all these emails that may be very significant where John Podesta emails Tom DeLong and says, I'm ready to do. And if he uses the word UFO disclosure or however he, he terms it, I'm ready to do this. This is a critically important issue. I need you to come to Washington. This is an explosive series of emails. And Tom DeLong says it was a flurry of emails. It wasn't just one email. So these have not been released yet. So this is why I'm saying people have to watch. The best st stuff may not even be out yet because there's a number of events that have happened. We've got um, stuff from 2015. We have the uh, meeting that they had to try to set up with Edgar Mitchell in 2014. Uh, we have that kind of stuff. But all the initiatives that... that, that um, that Podesta did, where finally you mentioned Damon Steer. December 30th, 2015, Damon Steer, finally, after John makes this tweet on September the 29th and says, somebody asked her about UFOs, finally Damon Steer asked the question on December 30th. So we have not seen the emails yet, what happens inside the, the Clinton campaign between uh, Podesta and all the advisors what actually happens? Do they have a bunch of emails that fly around when they finally ask Hillary the question? And it may be great. The plan is working. Uh, we're going to get this. It's going according to plan. You never know what's going to come out in these emails. The other thing that I just occurred to me today was um, I saw an email today from July the 31st of this year. And this was an email from somebody, and they're using potty language to talk about the people who are criticizing Hillary Clinton's health. And when I saw July 31st, I said, wow, July 31st, my book, The Clinton UFO Storybook, came out in June. And I put it out before the famous Secret Service book. There was a Secret Service book coming out, and they were going to talk about the all the bad things that Hillary had done as First Lady and stuff like that from the Secret Service guy. So I had to make sure my book was out before that. Now, there may be comments about my book, because I'm sure the Clintons got it. I'm sure that John Podesta got it, because it, 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 you would have to be prepared to read that book to see if there's something in there that you're going to have to deflect and take quite, 
take questions on. So it'll be very interesting to see that. And uh, there's three times that Hillary was asked about UFOs. There's all these incidents. Uh, so I, I'm telling people, be prepared. Uh, the best stuff may not be out yet. It may be coming. But the stuff that's out is incredible. Uh, and you mentioned the, the, the key one is Tom DeLong goes to um, uh, Podesta makes this agreement. Podesta says, come to Washington. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to be a part of this initiative, this, uh, getting this, this, this story out. And he goes, and then he puts this um, request to John that I've got two of my top guys that I want you to meet. And then there's the famous uh, uh, email from uh, January the 25th of 2016 where the Google Hangout meeting takes place. This is from uh, 12.30 to 1.30 Eastern Time. Uh, the people that attended are John Podesta, uh, Fisher, who's an assistant to um, um, Podesta. Hill, Hill, well, she's up with the Hillary Clinton campaign, but she's actually sort of like working for John Podesta. And then there's Tom DeLong. Then there's this uh, General Kerry. Then there's this General McCaslin. And then there's uh, Robert uh, Weiss. White who's the head of Lockheed Skunk Works. And I say this is significant because there's an, another email that, that, that comes out um, uh, a little bit after that, a month after the Google Hangout, where they have the meeting with these two generals and the head of Lockheed Skunk Works. And we don't know what happens in the meeting. And there's some, you know, some people are saying, well, maybe they didn't really get down to anything or whatever. Uh, but the fact is John Podesta met, on a UFO disclosure, no doubt this is what the meeting was about, with two generals and head of Lockheed Skunk Works. And that's um, um, on um, January 25th. And then a month later, you got um, Weiss, uh, and another email from Tom DeLong going back to Podesta a month after that meeting. And I'll quote what he says. Mr. Podesta, Mr. Weiss from Lockheed Skunk Works, the guys running Lockheed Skunk Works, just emailed me asking if there are any updates, which indicated that during that Google Hangout meeting of January the 25th, John Podesta had promised to do something or look up something. He had promised to do something. And so the, the, the request is coming from the head of Lockheed Skunk Works. Are there any updates? So Tom DeLong says, I'm not expecting much, but if there's anything I can tell him and the general... However small, I would like respectfully to pass it along. So they're looking for this thing that it, it's it's moving. There the, the, wasn't just a meeting. Something has happened after that, and Weiss is coming back for advice. And I said this is very funny because, as I mentioned, when Podesta was in the Clinton White House, he actually phones. At one point, he phones Area 51 to find out what's going on with UFOs. And I say now it's completely reversed. It's not John Podesta phoning Area 51. Now it's Area 51, the head of Area 51, Lockheed Skunk Works, phoning John Podesta to find out what's going on. And so this is dramatic stuff. This is like the head guy. This is Area 51 top guy that is in this meeting with John Podesta. And there's no doubt this meeting is about UFO disclosure. So we haven't seen any emails after. There's still 30,000 emails to come. And as I mentioned in the article, the uh, Americans, uh, the Ecuador embassy shut down uh, 
uh, Assange's uh, internet access, but he knew that this probably could happen, so they have multiple sites. So the emails are no longer being leaked out of the Ecuador embassy. They're coming from somewhere else, and the bleeding is continuing. Even though the, um, the American government has tried to stop these emails from being leaked, there's nothing they can do. And that's why I say this could be the uncontrollable crash of a UFO where they can't control the story. These things are going to leak no matter how much they try to block these, these stories. And these emails are coming out, and there could be some very, very dramatic emails because John Podesta, I will assure people, is at the center of an initiative, and Hillary Clinton is part of it, to get some sort of message, some sort of disclosure uh, effort out. And Grant, why with generals, with the head of Skunk Works at Lockheed, in these emails, why isn't there New York Times, The Guardian, Washington Post, why aren't there articles going into this like you and I and a few others have done? It is a surprise. As as I mentioned, the Washington Post just a couple of hours ago had, did an article on John Podesta and his emails. And they do mention the UFO material. They mention the Edgar Mitchell emails. And they sort of write Edgar Mitchell off as a flaky type guy that, that was trying to get uh, him to get a part of the, you know, the extraterrestrials in outer space or whatever. And they sort of uh, laugh it off. But I put a, a, a comment on the Washington Post thing and say to them, you left the major part out, the, the meeting that John Podesta had with two generals and the head of Lockheed Skunk Works, and it was on UFO disclosure. And even though you pushed them, I don't know what it is that's sort of um, stopping them, whether it's the 24-hour news cycle, whether it's the, still the, the sort of the toxic issue that no reporter wants to touch the, the UFO issue. Although there are three reporters, and I have sort of fed stuff to these three reporters, that asked the questions in May of this year. In May of this year, the New York Times did a straight-up piece on, on Hillary Clinton and the fact that she had said she was going to make a disclosure. The minute the New York Times did that story on May the 10th, that ga- almost gave a green light. And then you saw this flurry of questions inside the White House press uh, um, briefing, daily briefing. And the three questions were asked by three of the major reporters. And the questions they asked were not laughing little green men questions. They were very serious questions like, what is going on here? Is there extraterrestrials? Is this thing being classified? Is Barack Obama going to beat Hillary to the punch? Is he going to disclose? And the press secretary, uh, Ernest walked around it by saying, I don't have a clearance for that. I don't have a, a tab in my briefing book. And then on on the 16th, there's a third reporter, an African-American reporter, who really gets upset with him. And it's almost like the, the, the tide is changing. It's like the media has realized they've been had. And she says to him, what about Roswell? Is this classified? What is going on? And Ernest starts to get a, a, a drink of water as she's asking the question. And she confronts him. She says, look, you're doing the dance at the podium. You're trying to figure out what you're going to say to me, how you're going to walk around this. You're not going to get away with this. And I couldn't believe it. It was like, you're not going to get away with this. And he said, you just keep trying. So there was this initiative where the reporters were asking very, very serious questions. It may just be a matter of time where it's just one email uh, that comes out where uh, he actually 
actually uses the word UFO disclosure and come to Washington and this is serious, where someone asks them the question because eventually uh, these people will be confronted. They've already been confronted. Uh, Billy Cox told me, who used to do the UFO blog for 30 years uh, out of Florida, uh, told me uh, I contacted all those people, all the generals, the Lockheed Skunk Works guy, uh, Podesta, and nobody would respond. So right now, the main players are running for cover, these, these key generals and people like that, but they can't run for, for cover forever. Somebody Eventually, somebody is going to ask the question, and it may just be the extent of the emails, because I would say there's got to be 50 UFO emails now that have come out, and if we're looking at 100 or 150 emails in the John Podesta emails that are doing with UFOs, uh, it may just be that these reporters are working behind the scenes and we haven't seen the articles yet, that they're actually uh, digging into the story. So it may just be a matter of time, but you are right that they're, they are, they are, a lot of them are doing the UFO story. They're doing the Edgar Mitchell uh, email story and, but they're not, and a lot of them are just reprinting what everybody else is doing. And I would say there's probably a hundred articles on it, but the main one with the generals, I think Lee Spiegel did it. You did it. Um, a couple of people have mentioned the story about the, the Google Hangout meeting on January 25th, but, but most of them have done the story but left that out, and that is the key thing. There's no way you can get around the fact that he sat down with, with people who would be in a need to know about this, about this subject of uh, UFOs if this is real. And Grant, how do you explain that disconnect when we're dealing with heavy-duty generals here? You mean the, the media disconnect? Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I really, I, again, I can't explain it except that I have seen this move. I have seen these three major reporters and I have tried to, uh, filter stuff through to them the same as like the Washington Post. And I think that's what people have to do is they have to just keep posting on their sites, contacting the reporters and saying, you left out this, you left out that. It may just be, a uh, a uh, uh, an issue where a reporter does a story on the emails and the next day he's uh, to do a dog on uh, a story on pedigree dogs or something. And he goes off to do another story and he doesn't realize that there's a follow-up to the story. So it may just be that we're not providing these reporters and, and a lot of them, you can get their email addresses. And I've tried to do that is anybody who posts a story on the, the, the UFO John Podesta email stuff, that I post the follow-up stuff that you take a look at this one. What do you think of this one? What do you think of this one? And not make any comment about, you know, you're not doing the story or whatever, and just hope that somebody picks it up because whether it's now or a hundred years from now, somebody's going to eventually jump on this story. And the Washington post and the New York times are going to be like these three reporters in the white house press room who are going to realize we've been had this things for real and, they're going to start asking serious questions or the Washington Post or New York Times is going to put six reporters on this thing and say, let's get to the bottom of this. This is Pulitzer Prize type stuff. Uh, let's find out what's going on here. It may just be that we don't know, but uh, it is true that they are sort of missing the boat. They're they're sort of around the fringe of the story and they're not at least they're not doing the little green men articles. They're at least sort of handling it uh, sort of on a straight, you know, straight news story. Do you, have you gotten any rumors, any scuttlebutt about what could really be behind the matrix that is causing a push forward right now and that it may parallel what also feels like a forced push to Mars? Well, I mean, I believe that there's there's three initiatives. There's three uh, separate initiatives. There's the Podesta initiative. Uh, 
uh, which uh, when you look at the things that he's done, what Hillary has said, and when you look at these emails, it sort of confirms that they're waiting for these UFO questions. They want this out for whatever reason that, and I don't know what the end game is. Um, I've been told, watch January. January is significant, and of course that's when Hillary um, gets um, in the in if she wins when she's inaugurated. Uh, it could be that I haven't been told what's going to happen, but what I have been told is that this is not something that they're trying to figure out. The plan is in place, and that seems to come through Podesta. When you hear this, it's like there is a plan. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. I don't know what the plan is, but it's not. It used to be. Well, we're trying to figure out what to do. We don't want the government's fingerprints on it. And now the story that I'm hearing is different. It's it's no. It the plan is in action. And as of last week, from what I from my and I'm not a part of any of these groups, but from what I've heard. It's green light. You'd figure that these emails are leaking and everybody's running for cover and let's hold this thing off. Uh, it's getting too hot. Exactly the opposite. Nope. The plan is still on. I've been told watch for watch for January and uh, as if nothing has changed, that this is going on. So there's these three initiatives. There's the Podesta one and there's the, the Tom DeLong one. And there's no doubt that Tom DeLong is talking to 10 people. Uh, he, the three of them are mentioned already in this uh, WikiLeaks thing where they, uh, on January 25th, they actually name who these guys are. And as you looked them up, I looked them up, and these guys are actually in positions, high-ranking positions. They would be in a position of need to know. And so it backs up the fact that Tom DeLong does have these people. And I know two of the people that he hasn't mentioned yet who are part of a third. There's two crossover people that I'm pretty sure are crossovers. And um, so I do believe that Tom DeLong has the 10 people. I, I sort of think that it, a, a lot of what he's being fed, he has a story that he went in with as to what he thinks is going on, what the aliens are up to. I don't think they're trying to change that. I think that whether it's you or whether it's me or whether it's Bill Moore or whether it's Stephen Greer or whether it's Tom DeLong, that when we get information from government people, we don't have a need to know. And so the material we're getting is to me is always going to be partly true, partly false that Tom DeLong provided a situation where he had this um, sort of a, um, a bully pulpit where he could get the message out to the young people. So they looked at it and said, yes, we can use this guy. So he's being, I would say used, he's being managed the same as we're all being managed that they're, they want something out. And what they do, I think with Tom DeLong is the same thing they did with Bill Moore, that Bill Moore, when he first put, when he first got, contacted back in the 1980s and he was famous for the Roswell incident. He was the first to come out with the Roswell book. And I think it was seven days after he came out with the Roswell book, he is first contacted by this Falcon thing, this whole initiative. And they said to him, you're the only guy that knows what you're talking about. And Bill Moore, you knew him, I knew him. That's Bill Moore. He said, yeah, yeah, I'm the only guy who knows what I'm talking about. He didn't take the bait. He gets contacted a couple days later. He's on his book tour. He gets contacted the second day. And they say, you're the only guy who knows what you're talking about. We're here to help you. And because of the ego thing, he gets dragged into this thing. And they use him to put out a bunch of information. He ends up getting burned and actually leaves the field. And I think Tom DeLong is the same thing. He comes in with ego. He's, he's this powerful guy. He can get this message. And they say, can we, can we use this guy to get out a message? And yes. So I don't really believe necessarily that his stuff is all 100% true, but I absolutely do believe that Tom DeLong has these 10 people and that they are high-level people inside the government and that they are providing him bits of this story. The same as there's a third 
group and it's not really a group. It's a bunch of people that I've had interactions with for the last couple of years. And I suddenly realized that they're talking about the same sort of stuff. And um, so I just sit on the sidelines and I listen and theirs is a bit, their theory is a bit different. Tom DeLonge is sort of an, uh, a negative alien um, uh, spin on the thing. And this is more the love and light uh, crowd that Brent, are, yeah. Brent, could we right here uh, go to a reality check on one of the quotes from Tom DeLonge to me uh, back in May when he said about how he got these 10 advisors, quote, I was told that there are numerous ET gods fighting amongst themselves and they are interjecting themselves into human affairs. Mm-hmm. I am being told that a lot of this is being kept secret because we humans are trying not to initiate a conflict with, this is a quote allegedly from one of his advisors, an adversary that we poorly understand, that was the quote, and it later on, he and I talked about whether or not the Earth, humans, back-engineered ET te- technology, is actually, is it strong enough to take on this poorly understood adversary? So now, he, his whole discussion with me mm-hmm. was about the, the Greeks, uh, the Anunnaki, mm-hmm. uh, the so-called ancient gods of Earth that have always been portrayed to humans as mythological, when in fact they never were gods. They were always extraterrestrials who f- each other over territory. Okay, that's what I'm saying. His is a, like a like a, a negative. The 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 UFOs are bad news. Uh, but what I point, I, I, we had a discussion about this yesterday. What I point out is, and I will have to write this up, and I will actually quote him from an interview where he talks about when it started. He said, I was very Roman Catholic. I went to church three times a week, and I was very much into the Roman Catholic thing. And when he started the band, he started to tour around the world. And he suddenly ran into all these different religions. And he suddenly became very down on religion, that this is all, this is all just a... I don't know what the words he used for. And so when he went, he had the first meeting at uh, Lockheed, I believe with the Lockheed guy, when he goes behind all these these machine guns and all this kind of stuff. And he presents in this interview, he said, I presented this theory that the the aliens are all using, giving uh, weapons to different religions and that the religions are all fighting with each other and that they're going to deal with the ones that survive. He had that theory, according to me, he had that theory before he talked to these guys. And what I say is whether you're Bill Moore or DeLong or Stephen Greer, I don't think they try to convert you to change your view. They, they let him have that view. He came in before he got in. He had that view of, of how the, the UFOs were, were panning out. I have my problems with it because I know that the number, the one, number one, two, three genocides in the 20th century were from atheist communist regimes, Cambodia, China, and, uh, Russia or the Soviet Union, which is almost 100 million people that had nothing to do with religion. So I have very grave doubts that this whole thing has got to do with bad religions and, and religions fighting with each other. Uh, so I have that problem. And the people in the third group 
are, have got, as I said, have got an entirely different view. It's the love and light. The the aliens are here to save us, and it's the same advisors. So if they're if Tom DeLonge is saying these advisors are telling him that these are evil aliens and and they're using religions to fight with each other, and uh, they're giving Russians and Chinese weapons, and they they just want people to fight with each other, then it. They're telling two different stories because the third group, none of them are, are telling me this kind of thing about the the uh, religions and the fighting. So that's why I think that if you come in, they let you have your belief system. They just need to manage you to get out what they want out. Everybody's well, being used. Could, uh, let's go one more reality check. In that interview with Tom DeLong in May, he said about his uh, 10 advisors, this is a quote, it is a really big deal to these guys. And it's a big deal because they look at this as an existential threat. They look at it as serious as the Manhattan Project was to win World War II. These guys are working on things that are big, secret, dangerous, and they take enormous measures to keep a secret because they really do feel that's what's needed for them to deal with the UFO phenomenon for all of us. Now, that was the context, and there are some contradictions. If it is an existential threat, an existential threat by anything such as nuclear war is the wipeout of surface life on earth the dinosaur uh, extinction that was an existential wipeout so when that word is used existential threat that means the survival of humanity appears to be at stake for these guys working with the long sure and that's what the military would say I mean, we have, we have, uh, it's the Vern von Braun thing. It's like, first you're going to use terrorism, and then the last thing you're going to use the threat of an alien invasion. That we have to keep the military budget going. So I'm not surprised. I don't really believe they're telling him that, but if they did tell him that, that's the military, uh, view of this whole thing coming out. And I have a lot of problems based upon what I know about consciousness and how this thing works, where he's saying, for example, he's saying the secret is not the uh, what we're keeping from the people it's we're keeping it from the 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 intelligences behind the ufo we don't want them to know what we're doing this is nonsense the 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 beings behind this thing are like a million years ahead of us we are not keeping anything secret from us they shut down nuclear weapons they turn on nuclear weapons they do whatever they want and telepathy there's no way you can hide it so when he says that i mean just bells go off in my head and say there's no way that this is what the secret is about is that we're we're running a a game on the aliens and we're ready to fight them and they don't know what we're going to do and we're working on this technology with which to fight them the aliens know every single step of of what people are doing because it's non-local consciousness you can't walk around non-local consciousness they know exactly what's going on they can tap into everybody's mind and so that's i have this problem with it, but that's his. That's his his scenario. But what I say is, the third group, as some of the same advisors, is telling a completely different story. That no, they're here to save us. That this is, you know, this is a, a good thing. And so that's where I, I come down on saying maybe they just let you whatever thing if you want to believe whatever you want to believe you come in and because if if they want if they start fighting with Tom DeLong about you know you're wrong on this you're, you're completely off base. 
he's going to turn off. They need him on their side. So they play along the same as they did with Bill Murray. The only guy who knows who you're talking about. You're so smart. We, we agree with you. And they, they just set the hook and they, they pull you along and he's delivering some sort of message, some sort of I, stuff that, that he's getting out. For example, I tell him, you have to write a fictional book. That's the oldest story in the world. That is, uh, Chase Brandon putting out his book, the, the, the Christus Conundrum, where it was, he said, was reviewed by the CIA eight times before it was released. Change this, change that, change this date, whatever. And it's basically written by the CIA. And you do it in fiction. So you, you protect the classified material and you put out whatever story you want to put out in a fictional book. He's done exactly the same thing. Put out a fictional book. You don't know who he's talking about, but the message is coming across and you protect the classified material. And that's what it's about. None of you, I, Tom DeLong, none of these people have clearances and they cannot tell you classified material but they can use you to get out material and protect the classified material they have to get out the message i agree tom delong is putting out a message and it's coming from high level government officials that i don't agree with i disagree with with some of the things that he's saying or where he says none of them know what's going on none of them like there's these like what do you call them stovepipes where they're everybody's it's a disjointed thing this person's working on this this person and there's no coordination of what everybody's doing I do not believe that for a second. I believe this thing is seven carbon copies deep and it's uh, completely controlled. And that's the way the government works. They're, they're, they're over controlled and it's all being controlled. There's no way that you have, you know, 15 UFO programs going on and that none of the people, none of the people in any of the programs know what the other people are doing. And there's no oversight. I firmly believe the president is in charge and there's oversight. And there's even a, um, an email in the Podesta emails that confirms this. And this is the one where um, uh, Edgar Mitchell, there's um, Rebecca Hardcastle Wright, is one of the people that was working on this initiative to get Edgar Mitchell a meeting with John Podesta and Barack Obama. And in this email, uh, she sends it and uh, Rebecca sends this email and Podesta's assistant writes back and says, okay, um, Podesta can meet with Edgar Mitchell on August 11th. 19 or 2014 so rebecca checks i guess checks with edgar and she says he can't be in washington on that day can we do a skype conference with me edgar and podesta and the reply from from podesta's secretary back to rebecca Wright says john will meet on a one-on-one no skype conference no rebecca in this thing one-on-one he will he will have the meeting before he takes it to the president. And I point this out to people I put on my Facebook and I said, take care, take care of this. He said, I will take it to the president, not to the wizard of Oz, not to the cabal, not to David Rockefeller. He will take it to the president, which means it confirms my opinion that the president is in control. So if they want this thing on UFO disclosure, which was what the Edgar Mitchell was meeting was about and zero point energy, he said, I will meet with Edgar. And then if it works out, He's going to screen it. He's the guard, the, the gatekeeper for the president. If it works out, I'll take it to the president, which indicates to me the president is running the show. So when St- Tom DeLong says nobody's running the show, there's like 15 programs and they're all doing their own thing and, and nobody knows what everybody else is doing. That is that's not the government. That's not the way I understand the government works. It's over controlled. It's like totally overmanaged. But Grant? Somebody is going to have to say in January 2017, if the scenario is to finally start opening up UFOs and ETs, a singular message. Because if they went out to the New York Times with the contradictions you have just described, people would throw up their hands and walk away. 
Yeah. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, as I said, I do not know what is going to happen. I'm told January, and um, I and I and people ask me, well, what about what about people you're talking to? I said I will trust these people with my life. I know four of them. I've met them. I, I know there's probably about seven or eight that I think are are, are part of this uh, other group, uh, but. Um, I would trust him with my life. So um, I agree that something's going to happen. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I still have the the reservation that whatever they do, they're going to spill the milk and it could get real ugly. I, I can't see any way uh, that they can do it without causing some real uh, uncontrollable situations arising when you, because you have to at some point say, they're here, and Hillary did say that. That's where you have this partial disclosure, which I believe they're doing, where I believe Hillary said this on purpose, where she said they, all may, they may already be here. She is the first high-level official that has ever said any such thing. You will have officials, Barack Obama, Clinton, people who will say, or Jimmy Carter, yes, I believe there's life in outer space. That's one thing. It's another thing to say they're here because the number one uh, debunkers on the UFO thing is science. Science says you cannot get here from there. The distances are too large. And so it is a big deal when you say they may already be here and you're the person running for the president of the United States. That, I think, was was staged. That's the kind of thing where it didn't backfire on them. But um, they have a plan, and I don't know what it is. And I still think that once they say... Uh, they are definitely here, and we've been lying. Things could get ugly. I agree. I, I have no idea what's going to happen at that point. All okay. right. When we come back from the break, Grant, let's go into what you think and speculate they might try to bring out in January. That wraps up the first hour of tonight's interview with very special and honored guest, author, investigative writer, and researcher Grant Cameron. To find out the latest on Grant, uh, check out his Facebook. Just search Grant Cameron. He puts out a lot of current and real-time information as his work continues right there. And for more, log on to his website at presidentialufo.com. Stay right there. We will begin Hour 2 of tonight's program right after these messages from your choice for UFO Paranormal Talk Radio on the World Wide Web. We'll be right back. Get the X's streams on TalkStream Live, Paranormal.radio, and tune in. Bringing you the best host, the X. As we begin Hour 2 of tonight's program with the Honorable Grant Cameron, right here on Phenomenon Radio Live with John Burroughs and Linda Moulton Howe. First, it's time for the news. Brought to you by EarthFiles.com. Here's Linda Moulton Howe. Linda? Thanks, Race. On Wednesday, October 19th, 2016, scientists at the European Space Agency in Darmstadt, Germany, were puzzled over what happened to their Mars lander that had just entered the Martian atmosphere going 13,000 miles an hour. The spacecraft unfurled its parachute to slow down in the Martian atmosphere and all seemed fine and on schedule for the ESA lander called Chaparelli. The lander was designed to be a test of technology for a European robotic mission that's going to go to Mars in 2020. Well, as it's following and the parachute is coming out and the scientists watching and everything seems on track, Chaparelli should have landed and instead its signal completely stopped. Nothing more. 
David Parker, ESA's Director of Human Spaceflight and Robotic Exploration, told reporters, quote, We need to understand what happened in the last few seconds before that planned landing, and that is likely to take some time, close quote. Schiaparelli's mothership, called TGO, remains in orbit around Mars to analyze gases in the red planet's atmosphere. One of the questions ESA is trying to answer is whether there is or was life on Mars by analyzing the Martian air. Landing on Mars is not easy. Between October 1960 and March 2016, there were 55 efforts by Russia, the U.S., Japan, China, and Europe to get orbiters or landers to Mars. Out of those 55 attempts, 30 didn't make it. That's a 55% failure rate, almost like flipping a coin. The next American launch to Mars is planned for a year and a half from now on May 5th, 2018. That is expected to be a robotic lander called InSight, operated by NASA JPL and produced by Lockheed Martin Space Systems. InSight's work will be to study the deep interior of Mars, to learn the size of the Martian core, whether it is liquid or solid, and to find out if Mars still has any interior heat or seismic activity, since Mars has the ancient remains of the largest volcano and the longest deep canyon in our solar system. This is Linda Moulton Howe. Please stay tuned to Earth Files news updates on KGRA Radio and visit every day my science, environment, and real X Files news website, earthfiles.com. For more on breaking stories about our universe, this solar system, and the planet we live on. And that's the news brought to you by earthfiles.com and KGRA. Now, back to the interview. Here's John Burroughs. Hey, Grant, I just listened to your uh, last hour, and I find it very interesting. But I'll throw a, a few thoughts that I have at you of uh, what I think might be going on. It's a little different. Um, to start with, there was an article that was in a mainstream newspaper that was released on Sunday, and it was in the Boston Globe, and it was by a guy that worked inside the government at one point. He wrote a book. But the article was say, vote all you want, the secret government won't change. Okay. Uh-huh. And the way he summed it up was, is these, we elect these people to go into government. And when they go in there, they run headfirst into national security issues. And the national security issues are basically, this is how the country is going to move forward based on what the, the people behind the government want. So it can can be a whole different types of scenarios, whether it's we want to expand and protect our, you know, our industry or whatever. But they really don't have a lot of say even when they get in there. And he cited some examples of when Obama first came into office and what he wanted to try to do. And he ran head first into a, a storm that he could never get around. In other words, every time he tried to do something or wanted to do his things certain ways or ask for certain things from inside the Defense Department itself, he got answers that weren't acceptable to him. But that's what he had to accept. So here's here's what here's what I'm starting to think is happening. Uh, Podesta is a progressive. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. He doesn't like it when he doesn't get his way. And what I mean by that is 
Mm-hmm. There was, I think I saw it on your, one of your uh, blogs that you wrote on this. He did, was doing an interview and as the interview closed, his comment was he's, he's, he's forming these groups. He's working on this project, but he learned very little, if anything, why inside government. Do you remember that interview he did? Yeah. I remember him t- mentioning the fact that he didn't learn much inside government. Yeah. So here he is, he's inside government. He works for Clinton and he worked and he worked consultant for Obama. He he doesn't like as he calls it open government. He doesn't like the fact that that certain things aren't being discussed, but it's mostly his interest because some of the things that are going on right now with it with that is coming out on WikiLeaks and all this other stuff doesn't paint him in a very good uh position and he's not too happy with that. But in fact, he wants to know what's going on behind the scenes, which tells me this the man who was chief of staff for, for Bill Clinton, who got Clinton to start to look into this, into, you know, into the Roswell and everything else, and kept getting stonewalled. He then went into the Obama administration and, again, wanted to do some stuff. He And, and that one thing that stuck out to me with, um, with Mitchell, he doesn't want to talk to anybody unless it's face-to-face, and he'll brief the president on this. Well, to me... That says he's going to go to the president and tell him some stuff that the president should look into. But again, is the president himself being Stonewell with inside the secret government or the DOD or whatever? Because here's something that stands out to me. I, I, were you aware or did you read the article? I think it was four or five months ago where Lockheed Martin, I believe it was Lockheed Martin, but one of the defense agencies had all kinds of classified documents they were holding for the Air Force. Do you remember that? No. They all disappeared. They said they mm-hmm. lost them. They were wiped out. They said they don't have backups. They're gone. Um, and this was about the time Hillary was doing this thing about how she might want to open it up when she becomes a president. And there was a caveat she said that caught my attention. She says, if it's not national security. Now, Podesta doesn't say that, but she did. So the bottom line to me is, is I don't think the president's control this. I think this is one of those things that's inside the secret government, that was a good word that was used in this article, which, by the way, it was a mainstream paper. Now, this wasn't a conspiracy site talking about the secret government and how they control things. And I think this is one of the things that they can't get at. And I think the president probably does get somewhat of a briefing. He has to somewhat based on technology and everything else. But I don't think he's got any of the presidents have been sitting there, maybe other than Bush. Um, Bush Sr., and that was because he worked inside one of the alphabet soup agencies. And I think that Podesta, this is a pet peeve of his, and I also think, and I, I haven't seen all these emails, but it sounds like most of the what's been leaked has been what, so far at least, has been what DeLong's working on. And all they've done is is basically drop a couple generals' names, which no one's been able to confirm how deeply they're into this. And it was just on um, another thing that caught my attention the other day. New York Times, a, a, a guy that was vice at, chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, just pleaded guilty to leaking uh, classified material. He was a Marine general, James Cartwright, just, got, just pleaded guilty for leaking information to the New York Times. And the interesting thing apart about that with all this stuff going on with Clinton and what she's done, that a general still would get popped for this. It's interesting to me, was that also a message out to these retired generals, be careful what you do, because we're not going to be afraid to prosecute you for that. So I don't think 
this is one area that I don't think they have a lot of access to, but Essa definitely wants it. Maybe he does have a plan, but there's no guarantee just because this is what he wants that he's going to be able to get what he wants just for the fact that if she comes in, if she's elected and raises her right hand, she now falls under the National Security Act, which is a whole different animal. What say you? Okay, uh, national security, I say that all national security, all clearances and all uh, classifications are under executive order. It's under the president's states. He pr- produces the clearance. He doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a clearance. He doesn't have a security clearance. He, everybody that reports to him that uh, whatever security clearance they have or whatever you know agency they're with or uh, private company that's got security clearance, it all comes under executive, executive order, under the president. So I believe that he has to say – you know, he has to play this game. You know, we really don't know what's going on because it's classified. They can throw him in jail, as you pointed out with the general, the same as everybody else for, for you know, leaking classified material. But, again, it comes down to this thing with the secret government that if 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 you're, you come to me, uh, say you're a general, and you come and you say, okay, uh, you don't have a need to know and I'm not going to tell you. I just say, okay, thanks, you know, um, whatever, and you leave and I just – talk to my chief of staff and I say, I want uh, General Burroughs' resignation on my desk at nine o'clock tomorrow morning and I want his his superior in here. He can fire anybody he wants. So I, I don't see how they can bypass the fact that the the military is uh, takes an oath to uphold the, the Constitution okay, let's, let's, and let's obey stop, the law. Let's stop right there. Bill Clinton wanted Roswell reopened. Okay. So he and, says. And look at, yeah. Okay. So he says. But, but if he did, and he really wanted the answers, then the answer he got was not satisfactory. Okay. What he said when he was asked on the Kimmel Show, and this is an important point, when he was asked on the Kimmel Show, he said, you know, when it, when, when that night, uh, Roswell thing happened, I knew I was going to get a gazillion questions from people. So what I did is I called in all the Roswell files and I read them and uh, – there was nothing to it, and I. then he goes into the spiel about, I really didn't know what was going on, and I'm embarrassed to say I tried to find out. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, I called all the Roswell documents in and read them, and then turn around and say, well, I don't know what's going on. You either called the Roswell documents and read them, or you you couldn't get the Roswell documents. And he said in that interview, I called all the Roswell documents, and I read them. The other thing is, when Hillary appears on the Kimmel show, they ask her the $64,000 question, which you're bringing up. The president is not in control. And what Kimmel says to her, and this is the one where she practiced the answer for five minutes. He asked her the question in March of 2016. He says this $64,000 question. He said, okay, now I want to ask you. I had your husband Bill on here. And I asked him, I said, when you got sworn in and you went to the White House, what did you find? And he said, I couldn't get anything. So what do you say? And Hillary starts the answer right away. She immediately starts the answer and she has to stop because the crowd starts to laugh. She said, well, and the crowd starts to laugh. And she says, well, and she's smiling. And I actually have in my article, I show her smiling. She's just like, she's got this down pat. She says, well, I'm going to do it. And she pauses and everybody starts laughing. And she says, again, 
So she's not worried about the thing. The president doesn't know. And she just said, well, my husband may have said he didn't know, but I'm going to look again. Very authoritative. And this is what she practiced. And if you take a look at the interview that John, that John Podesta does with KLS TV, which was set up by Tom DeLong, because Billy Cox asked for an interview before the Florida primary. He didn't get it. The only reason that, that, that Knapp got it was because he's friends with Tom DeLong. He sets up the interview. So when he goes, he drops this thing. In the KLS TV interview, he says, I think I convinced her. He's saying he's talking about Hillary. I think I convinced her that he couldn't convince Bill. He couldn't convince uh, Barack Obama. But I think I convinced her. And she has to sit. She has to sit down with the material and look at it and based on national security and release as much as she can. So he's basically saying she will sit down. She will look at the material and she will release what she can. The same as Hillary Clinton, when she talked about it, I can't remember if it was this New York interview at the Breakfast Club or whatever. She said, it, depending on national security, if I can get agreement, which means you don't have to go to the evil cabal, you don't have to go to the Wizard of Oz, if I can get agreement that there's a group in there that makes a decision. And what I say has happened now is that it used to be like, say, 12 to 0 and then 10 to 2 and 8 to 4. And now the vote is like 7-5 the other way and that there's more people in favor of putting this thing out. So she's saying if I can get the, if I can get agreement, which means to me that there's a group, whether it's the head of national security, the head of the CIA or whoever's in this group with her, they make the decision and decide, or do we want to go with this or do we not want to go with this? And that's why I say it's so important to watch. Podesta because Podesta is a guy who's running a presidential campaign. He's been inside the, the center of power. And if there's nothing they could do, why would you bring up the stupid UFO issue that could cost you the election? Well, I, I don't disagree that it possibly could cost her election in a normal election cycle, but this one is not even close to that. But let's go back to what you just said. Okay. In other words, she still has to get agreement from somebody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that means she doesn't have the final authority. Because if she did, once she came into office, she would simply say, bring me the files and get a speechwriter in there and go ahead and, and make an announcement to the country. So she still has to clear this. Okay. Number yeah. one. Number two, getting back to Bill. Okay. And, and she says, I'm going to readdress this. She still dropped the caveat uh, if it doesn't affect national security. And that goes back to this article the Boston Globe just wrote about how that Obama came in with these grandiose ideas and got stomped on because it involved national security. And, and not only that, but, okay, a classic example. All these Air Force files that are classified projects just disappeared. Do you really believe they're gone? Or well, did no. they just say they're gone so that even if she wanted to look at them, they could tell you, sorry, Madam President, but um, we don't have these files anymore. They were lost. But they're reporting to her. I mean, she would know where they've gone. She, they may come from the no, president. No, no, because they've said they've already said they were lost. But, but that they, they make this stuff up all the time. It's like they, they lost the, the, the Rockefeller documents. I mean, they, this, this is a, a common story is you, you have to make this stuff disappear. So the president says, okay, we clear, clear these documents, get them out of, uh, so people can't get them. I mean, you don't ever know where the order is coming from. It could be coming from the president that we, this is bad news. We don't want these documents floating around and move it out of here. They, you know that more, there's more money spent on security for a program than on the actual program. There's piles of money spent on security. 
and they have probably a hundred different ways to make sure that nothing leaks out and that these this material is going into sort of a, a vault. Even back to 1948, when when uh, Truman comes in, he hires General uh, Landry as his air advisor, and he says, "Okay, part of your job and this is." February of 1948, he says, part of your job, I need uh, an oral briefing on UFOs every three months. I need you to go to CIA, gather the material. So in 1948, already they knew, do not put it on paper, that the UFO thing is all done like orally. And that is actually uh, given by um, George Bush's uh, vice president, Quayle. Quayle, there's an interview that he does where he says, He's talking about the presidential briefing, and he said, there's, there's stuff I know, and, and George Bush knows that other people don't know, and I just want to let you know that the most interesting things in the security briefing that they get in November after they win, the most interesting stuff was the stuff that they didn't write down, that they just told us about. So they, they, they make all this stuff disappear. Sure, they, they, you don't want to get caught with this stuff. This is part of security, of making sure the Russians don't get it, the, the Chinese don't get it, and, and even back to Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter used used that that caveat about national security he said when he said i'm going to release the ufo files but if it has to do with weapons i won't release that and i think everybody agrees with that we don't want the technological stuff out we want the story and that's what i say they've been doing for 50 or 60 years is leaking the story of what's going on they've used disney they've used robert emmenager they've used linda they've used me they've used all sorts of people to leak little pieces of the story out but you've got to protect the classified material because you don't want isis you don't want china you don't want russia having the the technological material of zero point energy or of uh, telepathy or some of this stuff because we may be the United States of America and we may use it to save the world and make it a better place but you can bet that ISIS is not going to use it to save the world they're going to use it to kill Americans so there is this national security part that you have to separate that that John knows about is where he says she has to separate and he calls it separating national security from unthinking secrecy there is stuff that we can release that doesn't have to be classified. So he's not saying we're going to release everything. He says there's stuff that we can release. And he says, I think the people can handle the truth. He's, he said it a number of times. So it's not everything's going to be released. It's it's enough to reveal the fact that 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 this thing is for real, but protect the national security part, which which I, I would agree with. You, you don't want the technological stuff because it comes down to lead time in weapons. That if, you, if you're developing weapons, which they're doing from this technology, you want to be ahead. So sort of, if there's a war, you've got the technology and the other side is going to take 20 years to develop the technology that you're now going to use in the war. So that that's a given that there's going to be this national security. I still maintain, and I used to believe in the secret government, but I maintain constitutionally that if the president didn't have constitutional control of the government, somebody's going to walk. You're not going to have Kissinger and all these high-level guys who spend their whole life and talk about constitution and get to the top. And then, you know, it's like I t- tell the story about the football. You have the the uh, the football, the the, uh, the nuclear codes that go with the president and the vice president. And they have two because there's this constitutional thing that somebody has to be able to push the button and start the nuclear war. And so you have two things in case the president gets killed. You have one with the vice president. And on the day of the inauguration, they have two football one for the incoming president, one for the outgoing president, because there's this constitutional problem. There might be 30 seconds when somebody isn't in control of the nuclear weapons. And so they're, they're all anal about the, the, the nuclear weapons. But then these same people who have this anal thing about the, the Constitution and how it works, when they get in there and they say, oh, well, the president isn't running the government. Oh, OK, we will go along with that. Well, I don't believe they would. I think you would have a defection. Somebody would walk if, if, if they realized that the president is just a puppet and he's he has no control over everything. 
Nobody's going to play along. And 13 administrations have dealt with this situation. They've all done exactly the same thing, which indicates to me that it, it's uh, being done under executive order. The president is, is running the show. And there's this so high level of, of security that basically there's only a handful of people who actually know what's going on. And uh, people who claim they know what's going on are people who are being used to leak material as counterintelligence or to get the story out or in that sort of way. So I don't, I don't really believe in the secret government anymore based upon the fact that you can't deal with aliens if we're dealing with aliens. You need the, 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 the president is the, the head of state. You can't negotiate unless you're the head of state. There's all these constitutional problems that I think would cause problems with people who are uh, honest, hardworking Americans who believe in the Constitution, who are in the executive. You've got to remember that over 13 administrations, there's been thousands of people who have had some sort of touch with this issue. I don't believe they all just went along with the fact that, that you know, there's some evil cabal running the show and we don't run the government and we'll just go along with this and we'll salute. I, I don't believe that's happening. Then why, then why isn't the information out by now? Carter wanted it out. Bill wanted it out. Because it's uh, because Because they can't. They can't put it out for some reason. Okay, there's something holding them back. By now, if you had President Carter that said he wanted it out, then you turn around and have President Clinton want it out, and neither one of them could get it out. Why? Well, it's the it's parts they don't want out. They don't want the the fact that they've been lying to the people out because the stock market meltdown. I wrote this the, the article on my website called "The Reasons the Government Has Decided Not to Tell the Truth." I go through sixty four reasons, and you start looking at this thing of them once it sort of leaks, where they confirm it, where the president actually stands up and confirms it. There's a lot of things that could go wrong, and if you're the president of the United States, you don't want to be in a position where the whole country melts down under your control. You want to be the president that goes down as the guy who you know, dropped unemployment and, you know, made things better and everybody was happy and this kind of stuff. You don't want to be the guy that, that suddenly says we've been lying and then have all these reporters descend and everybody starts selling uh, oil shares and uh, the stock market starts melting down and everybody starts selling and you have this panic in the in the stock market and you can't turn it around. It's that kind of stuff that uh, would keep them up awake at night. Okay, but, but, okay, but let's go back to what you said about uh, Clinton and Podesta. He got him out of those several messes. Yeah. He's the one person they trust and, and work with. Yeah. And yet even even that and the fact that – but see, I read his quote a little different than you did and other people did. I implied his quote was he can't get at this either and he thinks the people could handle it if it did come out. But the fact of the matter is he can't get at it. And does that mean that his boss did and he didn't and his boss won't fill him in? Or won't work with him, and now he thinks that now he's got Hillary to the point where she feels his time. And why Hillary, the career politician, the one that works with inside with the elite and the corporations, why would she be willing to risk her neck and risk crash, crashing Wall Street and all this other stuff if, in fact, that's the reason why they won't do it? That that part I don't understand. I don't understand why Hillary went along with this. I don't. Like I said I don't understand why they're doing it because the risks are so high. But, but Grant. Yeah. What about Lawrence Rockefeller? When you go back to the early 90s, when some of us were going to Lawrence Rockefeller's ranch in Wyoming, followed by Hillary and Bill Clinton going there for the Lawrence Rockefeller initiative, uh, Rockefeller was going to use his financial and political stature to uh, try to leverage, open the truth about UFOs and ETs. That's why we had those meetings there. And that mean, means that Hillary and Bill Clinton were 
on some inside information about UFOs and ETs with Rockefeller even then in the early 1990s. Yeah, that's another example that shows that the president is running the show because when Rockefeller went, and I point this out and people maybe haven't caught on yet, Rockefeller never got to the president. As much power as he had, he never got to the president. He had to deal with the science advisor. And I refer to the two documents in my book. I refer to the two documents that involve Hillary Clinton. And the one says everything from Rockefeller to the science advisor and everything from the science advisor back to Rockefeller is going through the first lady's office. And for 13 or 14 years, I could not figure out why that was taking place. When you take a look at the president is in charge and you have to pretend that he's not in charge, that's how it works. He never got to the president because the president is running the cover-up. So you can't have Lawrence Rockefeller talking to the president about UFOs. So what happens is they send everything through the first lady's office. And at night, the first lady, who's not in the government, goes to Bill and says, okay, Rockefeller says this, science advisor says this, and she gets instruction. The president cannot be drawn into it. And when they did in 1995, in August of 1995, Bill and Hillary go to the Rockefeller Ranch because it's all about swing voters. And the swing voters were technological people who were into uh, rafting and camping. So he had to go to the Rockefeller Ranch. He didn't want to go there. Dick Morris told me he had to go there. He was furious to go to the Rockefeller Ranch. He's at the Rockefeller Ranch. And according to Whitley Strieber, according to what Rockefeller told him, Bill was not at the briefing. No, th- no, this came from, from Marie Galbraith, who ran Rockefeller's, all his UFO programs, all the money, all this kind of stuff. And she said categorically to Antonio Junius that Bill Clinton was not in the briefing. When, when Rockefeller went through all the UFO material there, only Hillary Clinton was there. So the question is, why was the president, he was at the ranch, why did he not come into the meeting? Because the president can't be a player. This is what Ron Pendolfi, the head scientist for the CIA, the guy that supposedly briefed the president said, the president cannot be a player because he's the guy running the cover-up. So you say the president doesn't know. Bill Clinton says, you know, I'm not, I'm probably the first president that kept in the dark or the bureaucrats have tried to wait out. And he plays this game. And when Ben Hansen does the review of his, his interview on Kimmel, it shows that he's being deceptive, that he's lying. This is not the truth. And so you play this game and that's why they went through through Hillary Clinton is because she could unofficially go to the president and he it, the stuff would come back. And when he was at the ranch, according to, this is according to Whitley Strieber, what Rockefeller said is that one point um, he brought up the thing with UFOs with Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton said, it's like the Arkansas tar baby. You can't touch it because once you touch it, then you can't get away. And the more you try to get away from it, the more you get stuck to it. And that's what it's about. It's keeping the president away from the issue. Make it look like the president doesn't know there's an evil cabal and stuff. Because Linda can't interview. Race Hobb cannot interview the evil cabal or the Wizard of Oz. But we all know where the president lives. And if it becomes known that the president is briefed on the subject, then it's a real subject. This is not some little green man, people making stuff up. If it becomes known that the president has been briefed, then it's game over because they're going to start asking the president. And if the president says he was briefed, then it all falls apart. It all unravels in 48 hours. And that's why I said in May, I thought it was going to, I thought it was going to unravel because the press secretary said, I don't have a need to know about that material. But the president jokingly has said that his job gives him access to that kind of material. You should ask him. It'll be interesting. And I thought, that's it. It's over. 
Actually, I cut you off, but we'll do our last break. We can go back into this after we come okay. out of the break. The latest in science, the environment, and real X-Files. Visit the award-winning website, earthfiles.com, with over 2,000 in-depth reports that uh, just go way beyond the 6 o'clock news. That's earthfiles.com. We will be right back for the final segment of tonight's program from the best choice for alternative talk radio on the planet. Stay with us. Explaining the unexplained, the new unxnetwork.com. Welcome back to Phenomenon Radio Live. We are in the closing segment of this wonderful interview with investigative author and writer Grant Cameron. To begin the final segment of the program, let's start with John. Thanks, Race. Grant, okay, as we closed out the last half an hour, we were talking a little bit about why you feel the president knows more than I think he does uh-huh. based on just the scenario presidents come and go. And so do members of Congress. So I I understand the fact, and I, I, I think when you brought up the thing about he has no real clearance because he's the ultimate authority, which is what something that you know I'm well aware of. But ultimately, he can only do what he's briefed on. So I still think some of it, is being held back. I think it's deep down in the vaults. Um, and like I said, probably the last president that we've had in our lifetimes that had the biggest grasp on this was uh, was Bush, you know, old man Bush. And his comment he made when his son was in this, you know, the primaries, when he was asked about it, he said, uh, you're not going to be able to handle the truth, Okay. You're not going to be ha- be able to handle the truth, I, you know, and and so I think based on his background working inside CIA, uh, you know, he was an ambassador, he was the vice president of Reagan, and Reagan made some interesting comments, and then he was the president. I think he knew the most, but I think it's being held back. But okay, let's go forward now. What do you think could and will come out? Well, you don't know for sure, but what do you where do you think these leaks are going to go? And what what do you think? How do you think this will help Hillary and Podesta get the truth out? Well, I, th- I think there's two different scenarios. Uh, one is the Tom DeLonge scenario, and they're going along with it. So you know what Tom DeLonge's going to bring out? He's going to bring out the thing where this is a threat, and these are good guys in the government who are working their best to handle this threat, and um, they they work their hardest. They're loyal Americans. And so that's the one scenario. And he's got, you know, he's got the nonfiction book coming out. He's got, uh, uh, according to the WikiLeaks emails, he's got Spielberg. He's got all these uh, different studios and, uh, you know, high level people helping him. Uh, so that's the one scenario where you're going to get this story that it's, uh, you know, bad news. And, uh, you know, religions are fighting with each other and uh, uh, the aliens are providing uh, weapons to all the different religions. And, and this is where our problems are coming from. And these guys are doing the best they can. So that's the one scenario. The scenario that, that, that I think Clinton and uh, Podesta would use is what was called um, the, um, um, the core story. This was uh, hell put off Jacques Vallée and Kit Green, who was one of the guys who ran the CIA Weird Desk in 1987, came up with what they called the core story. And the core story is basically um, aliens are here. Uh, we a craft occurred, a crash occurred, and we've done some back engineering, and that's all we really know for sure. So we'll go with that because what Podesta is saying 
And he said it over and over again, I think the people can handle the truth. So I don't think the story that he wants to put out is the Tom DeLonge story, because that definitely, I don't think people can handle the truth. If it suddenly becomes known that, you know, they're, uh, they're evil and, uh, they're here to cause trouble and this kind of stuff, that, that can't go over well. So I don't okay. think that that's going to be his scenario. Okay, now, Grant, here's an important question that you brought up. I didn't, thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so you got, this was kind of a scenario that Mirage Man covered when he went around and interviewed different people inside okay. the field. And then yeah. he got to kick Green, and Green said, well, Hollywood and all this stuff has been putting out all this dastardly stuff that, you know, they're yeah. going to eat us, they're going to destroy us. Yeah. But ultimately, when the real story comes out, it's just not going to be as bad and people are going to accept it. Then you go to the Bigelow end of it, which is the part where he, you know, he goes in that we get confirmation and we stop right there. We have to confirm based on, there's enough evidence to confirm it anyway. There has to be confirmation that they exist and we stop right there. Everything else is classified. We can't go into it. So based on what you think is going to happen is Hal put off kit green, John Alexander and Bigelow, behind the movement of what Podesta and, you know, and, and Hillary, if she becomes president, are going to try to do. I'll give you a leak. One of them is. I won't say which one. <laughs> so you're saying one of, one of the four I just named is help is advising Podesta. Well, okay. I know Podesta, but he's part of, of the two groups that I know. He's, he's, a cro- he's, he's one of the crossovers. Okay. So, so there is that, that aspect that, that they will play that game where, uh, this thing's for real, and we're not going to talk about the classified material, which they may be able to pull off. They may be able to get away with that. How? Well, How okay. can you get away from partially opening confirmation we're not alone, that there are advanced intelligences, that they interact with this planet, whether it's interdimensionally through time or through space, without going to the heart of what millions of people around the planet have been exposed to in their own lives, and that is human abductions and worldwide animal mutilations. They're going to have to deal with that. Oh, yeah, but that that part they, they will deal with, but it's the classified stuff that, that I think John's referring to is how does it actually work, how does the telepathy work, how do they get here, all that kind of stuff which you can build weapons with. I mean, as to the in, the intent of the aliens, yes, that's the that's the dangerous part because that's one of the reasons I say the 64 reasons is like I think, Linda, you and I have a different opinion on what's going on with cattle mutilations, but it really doesn't matter because I can guarantee you when the president says this thing's for real, within five minutes, somebody's going to ask him the, the abduction question and the the cattle mutilation question, and the whole the whole scenario changes. Now it's the UFO people are the crazy people, but the the whole uh, thing is going to change. That suddenly it's like, man, these UFO people were telling the truth, and suddenly everything that we say is going to be true. So right. somebody's going to say, well, you know, they're they're abducting these people, and you're constitutionally responsible for the protection of the American people. What are you doing to stop this? And he hasn't really got a good answer. And they they can spin, you know, the they're eating our kids, and all sorts of stuff's going to come up. And he's going to have to face these kind of questions. And that's the problem that I have problems with the disclosure is you don't want to put the president in a situation where he's standing there like a deer in a headlights, having no answer to the, the vast majority of the questions because to me this whole ufo thing comes down to 
Thomas Edison, who said, we don't understand one millionth of one percent about anything. I think it is so complex. It is so beyond anything, especially when you talk to people who've flown the craft and they describe how you actually fly the craft. I mean, it, we're not even close. I mean, it's, it, we have this idea. It's like a little, little spacecraft and it's got this little engine. We pull the engine out and we can put it and, and create, fly around with it and, you know, don't have to use gas anymore. It's much more complex, a million times more complex. It's than that. mod by mind. It's by consciousness. Yeah, and and most of that stuff they don't sort of understand. So that's the kind of stuff I think they want to – because to me, it comes down to the Russians and the Chinese and the Americans. It's a game of chicken. It's who's going to put their cards down first. I asked that of Tom – Scott Jones, who's actually in the emails, he's referred to in in the uh, Edgar Mitchell email, and I talked to him about it. He didn't seem too interested in the fact he was in the WikiLeaks thing, but he told me the story of the Chinese, that he went to the Chinese, and because he worked for Claiborne Pell, they thought he worked for the government. He said, no, I don't work for the government. I work for Claiborne Pell. It's part of the government, but it's not the government. And he said, no, no, everybody works for the government. Don't tell us that you're working for the government. And he said, he would, so he was talking to high-level Chinese people at the top, and he said to them, why don't you beat the Americans to it? Why don't you disclose? And the Chinese, according to Scott Scott Jones said, when the Americans disclose, we'll be a close second. Right, so it comes right. down to putting your cards on the table, and that's the classified material they want to protect. Because if you put your cards on the table and you give the Soviets, the Russians, 20% that they need to put the pieces together, the Russians say, oh, we decided we're not going to disclose. Now they've got everything, and they're, they're running the show. And that's Grant, where nobody wants to put their cards down. Grant, the actual quote from Scott Jones in an interview was, the Chinese had shown him photographs. They had shown him technologies that could only have been from advanced ETs. And Scott Jones was asking them, why are you not leading with opening this up to the world? Yeah. And that the Chinese representative bowed with hands clasped and said, because we are waiting for the United States yeah. to act and I asked Scott Jones at that moment in the interview I did with him, does that imply that an agreement went down when Nixon broke all of the uh, tradition and went to China and met uh, with Mao? Is this what they talked about, extraterrestrials, and that the United States was asking officially to be allowed to be the open leader, the one who would put the cards down first? Yeah. I mean, there is this – I would agree there are, there are agreements. Even there's agreements on the, the, the whole thing about the, um, the nuclear weapon thing, that if you have an unidentified – it can easily be identified as a Soviet, uh, you know, attack or the, and vice versa, an American attack on the Soviet Union. And so there's always been these stories that there was these agreements to check this stuff out, you know, with the hotline and all this kind of stuff before you push the button and that these UFOs were causing a lot of these alarm type things and they had to overcome this and have an agreement of how they would handle these alarms when these UFOs were doing incursions and stuff like that where they're flying around so they're not misinterpreted as as nuclear weapons coming in inbound from the enemy. So what do you think that Hillary or any U.S. president in January 2017 can say as a full announcement? Well, that's where I think they go with the core story type thing. We, we just want to confirm that this thing's for real and um, we're not going to talk about the classified material and then... Grant, 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 let me bring something into this then, okay? Yeah. Um, you know as well as I do, if you go to any other scenario, forget the UFO for just a second, if we're going to war, you know, if there's an attack and yeah. everything else, 
the, the, the president says very little. Okay, the president might come out and make the announcement that, the, you know, like when Bush did when we started our attack, both of them did at different times and, you know, to take back Kuwait yeah. and we started our attack in Iraq. But most of the people that have to go out in front of the cameras are going to be like the secretary of defense, the joint chief of staff, the science people, you know, the uh, alphabet soup people. All those are the ones and you know are going to have to go in front of the camera and give briefings and stuff. So the president is only really a puppet in a way anyway and a figurehead for simply the fact that he's just going to come out at some point if this happens and she if she says, okay, we've looked into it and blam, this is what I've gotten at and this is what I can tell you now. She's off the hook. It's the rest of the government that's going to have to answer this. Although they're still responsible. I mean, you can't sort of you know, get away from the fact. How's she that, responsible? If she just took office. But uh, yeah, okay, but that's the thing. So you do it at the beginning, yes. I mean, in, but in terms of it becomes that's what one of the problems when you become president is suddenly it's your cover up, it's your CIA, it's your NSA that's that's running this show, and suddenly it becomes different where it's easy to attack from the outside and say we want disclosure, but when suddenly it's you, and that's what I said when I wrote the sixty four reasons. Uh, for the cover-up is that if I gave the briefing to anybody, you would do exactly what they're doing because you'd say, well, holy shit, I don't want to get be in the middle of that thing. You can see all the things that can go wrong because suddenly you put yourself in their shoes. And that's what Tom DeLong is saying and that the, 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 the pe- other people I'm talking to is that these are honest people. And some of them I've met, I've, I know four of them, that they're just ordinary people and they're like government employees who are doing the best job they can cool. with a very difficult situation. But then, then, then there's probably no chance for this simple reason. If she's elected and she raises her right hand and comes into office, she's got to name her whole cabinet. She's got to put people in charge and everything else. Now, if the people outgoing wouldn't talk about it for whatever reason and Obama didn't want to do it, why all of a sudden are they going to cooperate with her? And by the time she gets them in place and they get settled in and she gets their briefings, then she'll be part of the cover-up too. So what scenario do you see that she's going to be able to do anything with this anyway, other than that that's what Podesta wants. Well, Podesta, this is a plan. Podesta has, has got this thing rolling, and Podesta is the guy that's going to pick those people. He, he built uh, Obama's cabinet. He's going to build her cabinet. He's going to tell her who to put in there. And these people are already in place that you're going to play this role. You're going to do, you know, whatever your role is. So I, I agree. It's a, it's a difficult position. And it looks like it could be very good, could very ugly. And uh, I'm just, I'm just absolutely sure that that this is a plan. This is not just some accidental thing. When you see the emails and you see his tweets and stuff like that, you can see that that they're waiting for these questions. They want these questions asked. And even Hillary saying they're, they're well, probably already here is already disclosure. It, okay, it doesn't have to be 100 Let's slam on the brakes for a minute right now. Yeah. Okay. All right. The the scenario that no one will ask her. Okay. She has the power to grant interviews, and so does Podesta. She could ask somebody from the press, whoever they want to pick, just like she did one interview recently. Was I forget what was it, sixty minutes or whatever? She did do a a brief interview. She could pick somebody friendly, Podesta and her, and sit down with with the idea that they're going to discuss UFOs and it could happen. Why haven't they done that? She has the power to do it right now as a private citizen to go into what she wants to do 
um, or even right after the elections and go into what she wants to do. Why hasn't she done it and why won't she do it? If she, I mean, unless she does do it. But right now, there's no science that she could set up her own interview to have certain questions asked. Because why that, 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 that doesn't seem that doesn't seem to be part. Part of the plan seems to be that they have to have somebody ask the question. I was told that by some of the people I know. It was this thing that we don't want the government's fingerprints on it. We want somebody else to do it. So if she sets it up, because she has not brought up the subject, not once. She's never talked about UFOs. She has only asked three questions. But they forced those questions to be asked. And that seems to be part of whatever they are doing. That's part of it, that she can't bring it up herself, that it has to be asked of her. But that means she doesn't have the power. Well, she does, because... I mean, well, if she has to, but let, 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 let me ask you something. No, here's it's like it's like double speak here because yeah. if in fact she wants this out and she's going to be the president and has the power to do it, why does somebody have to ask her before she brings because it out? It's, because it's part of the plan, John. If you want it out, if you and, and I hear this from these you know people who say, oh, this guy he's a a, a deep throat guy and he's a whistleblower and he knows the whole story and he's got fifteen levels about the president and all this sort of stuff. And if they want it out, John, they go to the New York Times and they go to the Washington Post and they say, This is the story. What documents do you want? Here's the photographs. Here's the gun camera footage. They give them whatever they want. That's not how they they they're doing it a different way. It's doing with this gradual disclosure. It's been going on for 60 years. They've been dropping these these bits and pieces. Uh, Barack Obama comes on. He's breathing 42 times a minute when they ask him, what about you? Bill Clinton said he couldn't get anything. What about you? What did you find when you got to the White House? And he's breathing 42 times a minute when he answers this. And he said, I can't reveal anything. So you, you have these things where uh, it's done in a certain way, and they've been doing it with this gradual disclosure thing. So it may not be a full disclosure. It may just be some more of the little pieces that people aren't really paying any attention to, that they've told us all sorts of stuff. The Area 51 thing was leaked. It was definitely leaked because Bob Lazar, who was actually there when he was caught, when he was taken for a debriefing, they didn't fire him. They didn't arrest him. They just suspended did his security clearance, and then they invited him back to Area 51. This is a total setup. They're setting up all this stuff. They're leaking all this kind of stuff. It's this gradual disclosure thing, and that's, I think, how they've decided to do it is because it's always this fear that when you finally confirm it, things start to go south. So you, you go as far as you can, and that's where I think Hillary Clinton purposely said this. I think they may already be here. She didn't have to say that, and that was very revealing to anybody who knows what's going on. That was a basic, that's part disclosure, that she's basically confirming that, yeah, this thing's probably for real. But Grant, which of the scenarios between the ancient gods were ETs on this planet and that there is a threat that is existential and that wars are being fought through human bodies versus that we're in a uh, a universe in which all photons are connected to every other photon through entanglement and that other dimensions are key to how intelligences travel. Those two... How do you see that they're going to stand up in front of a million microphones around the world in January? What will be the coherent message, even if it's not true? Well, the DeLong thing is, is going to play itself out. I mean, he, there's, there's no stopping what he's going to do. The problem with his, he's already released one book and nobody's taking him seriously. So as long as he's doing the fictional thing, Releasing bits and pieces through fictional stories. Yeah, but if his he comes, next book, but Grant, but his next book's supposed to be nonfiction. 
he's it's supposed do, to he's, release equipment he, and stuff. That's supposed to be out by the yeah, end. Yeah, and he's doing Bob Lazar's uh, autobiography, and 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 I know some of the people he's talking to. So I think it's going to be like he's going to talk to uh, some of these whistleblower people, and that hasn't convinced anybody yet. I mean, if he comes up with something really dramatic, and that's where I think that the scenario may actually be that you may have to do a show before the election, that this thing may unravel if there is some email, a bunch of emails where John basically confirms that there's a plan in place and that he's working for disclosure and he names a bunch more generals or a bunch more stuff comes up and the Washington Post and the New York Times suddenly wake up, this thing's going to unravel very fast. And that's why I'm saying watch the emails. The Hillary thing, I really don't know what that's about. I just heard January and it's got the problems that you and I have discussed. The the long thing has the problems that it's it's always nobody's really taking them seriously yet. And if they take him seriously, then you're going to get that scenario coming out. But I would say the scenario to watch is in the next couple of days, what gets released in these these emails? There's like half a dozen a day, and uh, almost every day there's one that's really really revealing. And some of but these, is, but has any of these emails been released while he was actually in the Oval Office, or are these all as a private citizen? No, he's in the Oval Office. That was the meeting with, with Edgar Mitchell was that he was going to meet with Edgar Mitchell on August 11th, 2014. And that after that meeting, he would t- go to that meeting and then decide whether to take it to the president. Well, what so, about what about the meeting he had in 11 and that this think tank was involved? There's been nothing in these emails talking about his think tank, what their mm-hmm. involvement is, the people involved yeah. with that think tank and everything yeah. else. No, nothing yet. But that's what I'm saying is, you know, John Podesta, you know, he's been in all this stuff. He's had all these contacts uh, and he's like the, the the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. He's pulling all these strings. He's dealing with all these people. And these names may come out. You may get an well, email related to that thing that basically tells what happened. We're about and, to close the show, but I would say the only thing that would get people's attention right now would be as if in one of these emails, he says it's been directed by the president himself. And, and I that's think why that I would to, be what sure. would possibly bring the curtain down. But other than that, it's there's nothing in there other than like that the, the, these newspapers are going to break off their coverage of the election to cover unless there's an email that surfaces. Are you listening to WikiLeaks that that <laughs> shows that he was being directed by the president himself to do this? Yeah, and the one comes close, the one with Edgar Mitchell, where he would take it to the president after the meeting with Edgar Mitchell. That sort of shows that there's there's a connection to the White House. But I agree. I mean, but I'm I'm saying, uh, I say this is the story. When it, the more I see of it, the this is the story that they they can't control. They can't cover it up. They can't make the documents disappear like these documents you talked about. They have no control over stopping these leaks, as far as I know. And the the documents are coming out every morning. Go on there at nine o'clock, and there's going to be more UFO documents, and we're going to see what's going to happen. There may have some. Thing that's really, right. really dramatic. All right, Grant, because we're out of time. Yep. I want to thank you for coming on. But give your site for everybody that's listening tonight to keep following you. And we're definitely going to have you back, if not prior to the election, right after the election. So go okay. ahead and give your site real fast. The, the, the site that they should go to is whitehouseufo.blogspot.ca. That's where I have my articles. And on my Facebook, I have daily updates of the latest emails that have leaked, and that's the presidential UFO. You just go to uh, presidential UFO Grant Cameron at Facebook, and you'll get the daily updates uh, hour by hour as I go through the emails. Grant, you're doing a yeoman's job. I started to try to look at them, and it's insanity at its best to try to go through all this stuff. Congratulations, I really appreciate what you're doing. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your interest, and uh, hopefully we get a big story before November or after November. Right, And, and thanks again, Grant, and Race... Take us to next week. 
Thank you so much, guys. And thank you, Linda, for John Burroughs, Linda Moulton Howe, and special guest Grant Cameron. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>